ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the gun rack's Northern Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey, and with me, we have one Drew Poplin. Drew Poplin. We have an exciting episode for you guys today. Last week, we kind of took a little mini break. Not really. We did two miniature episodes as opposed to one big one. So for us, it took more time, but we took a little less time with the uh, the big March topics we, we roll with. And uh, we're back today. We're going to be talking about some concealed carry stuff. I'm really excited for that. But before we get into that, we need to get into some trivia because Drew Poplin is on the clues. Drew's clues. What do we have today? All right. So before we carry on with today's Drew's clue, we have to take care of, I guess, two weeks ago's. The answer from an eternity ago is the IWI Masada. We all know how much Joey likes old IWI. So I wanted to throw him a little bit of a bone. I got big feelings about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We actually went and shot the, did you shoot the Masada too? No. The PSA is the gathering. I did. No, it I is not my you. favorite thing that they have, but it's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look like you were having a good time. I was and frequently well, am. Well, funny enough, the firearm we're talking about for this week's Drew's Clue, I actually shot at PSA's The Gathering this year. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, you went back to do it again. Yes, sir. I was a fan. So this firearm was introduced at SHOT Show of 2022. It is a striker-fired pistol. It has a capacity of 23 plus one. And I want you to think of Dwayne Johnson in South Carolina when you think of this firearm. Dwayne Johnson in South Carolina. That's that's funny. I can roll with that, yeah. you stupid person. Yeah. Yes. When when we hit next week, we should probably talk about this one a little bit more. Because PSA and SDI are good buddies. And this is a really cool. I just gave it away. Who's the dummy now? Who it's who me. is the dummy now, sir? Oh. Disaster. Okay. So I may or may not have just given away half of the uh the answer there. Fortunately, that company in question makes quite a bit of stuff. So there's still an element of hopefully confusion there. I didn't totally give it away. However, glossing over that, and it is, it's definitely one we need to go into more detail with later. But before we get into the main topic today, are you interested in the world of firearms technology? in a big, big way. Well, we have a school for you if you are. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school with focuses in firearms technology and uncrewed technology. That's going to be drones and gunsmithing, uh, along with many, many other things. But those are kind of some of our main focuses. And uh, we are accredited by the DEAC. That's the Distance Education Accrediting Commission. 
and uh, we are a wonderful place to come study. And we have lots of uh, grads that love to talk about us. So if you ever are interested, hop on to sdi.edu. Uh, you want to learn about grads, hop on to the news and then hit the graduate features tab on the right. And you can learn a little bit more about some of where our graduates come from and where they're headed and what they're doing now. We are blessed to have some amazing students and graduates here at SDI. We would love for you to be a part of the family if you aren't already. All right, that's done. Drew, could you introduce this main topic? Absolutely. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, I think it was two, three weeks ago, we did a whole episode on shoulder holsters. And that got us thinking about the wider topic in general of concealed carry. So Joey charged me with a task. He told me, Drew, I want you to go and try to think of what factors as someone who maybe is less experienced in the field of firearms, what factors that I would consider when choosing a concealed carry. So pretty much I'm going to list my factors uh, that I thought of, and Joey is going to react to them. And if I've missed anything, he's going to enlighten me. How fun. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've mentioned this before, but in the past, uh, a lot of my career actually was based around concealed carry writing, and uh, it's something I hold very near and dear to my heart. Something you want to keep in mind, and I'm going to try to remember to do this for every single episode, is that concealed carry laws can differ wildly from state to state. You must know your state and local laws when you are considering your concealed carry options. I know that a lot of you, when you look at laws for a certain state, are not going to agree with them, especially if it's a state that you already live in. That is not what we're focusing on here. We're trying to equip and give a little bit of discussion to topics that are, are going to be relevant to us and hopefully to you guys in, in states where, where you can get these, these permits easily enough. Um, all that to say is this, you need to know your laws and we are not here to incite you to break any of those laws in the name of concealed carry or anything else. Is that sufficient drudgery or, or do I need to keep going? I think that's some pretty decent drudgery. Excellent. Thank you very much. Concealed carry is awesome though. And uh, we're gonna talk a lot more about it right now. So Drew, when you're thinking about factors into what factors into choosing a concealed carry as, as kind of a rookie guy, uh, what do you think about first? Yeah. So uh, keep in mind, these are in no particular order of importance per se. Again, this is kind of what first came to my mind. Uh, sure. The first one that came to mind was size. You don't want something that would be too big or cumbersome, especially if you're trying to conceal it. If you have it, you know, in your holster, if it's, um, especially I feel like inside of the belt loop, because then you're starting to get into areas of, you know, is this comfortable? Uh, can I actually function day to day? Strongly agree with that, uh, in either season one or season two of psych. I don't remember which there is a treasury agent who carries in a shoulder holster a desert eagle which is just peak nonsense guns 
but it's glorious to see. But that's not who we should be necessarily on a day-in-day-out basis. When you are concealed carrying, a lot of what many teachers preach is that if you're going to conceal carry, you need to do it all the time or never. And you are only going to carry a holster or a concealed carry firearm regularly if it's comfy, right? So I think size is is a very important thing to keep in mind. Not only that, but we're talking about concealability too. So comfortability and concealability, you want to make sure, like, I wouldn't put a Glock 17 uh, on the inside the waistband, although I have heard of people doing that. It's kind of amazing what people can conceal carry, really, if you have a mind to do it. So much equipment now exists to make it all disappear. Um, I also know a guy that concealed carries two full-size 1911s. And since he doesn't listen to that, I'll out him. That's my dad. Very silly thing to do, I think. But um, regardless, you want comfortability and you want concealability. We can talk a little bit more about concealability later, but I would say that for your first pick, this is a great start. Thank you. So uh, the second thing that popped to my mind was, you know, when you think of concealed carry, or at least I think of a firearm that you have on your person that you hope you never really have to use. But in the event that you would have to use it, I'd want to make sure that the capacity of it, uh, of its magazine, was sufficient. Um, yeah, I'd want to have more options than less. Yeah. Yeah. Although I know some people who choose to go with a revolver, you know, a little six-shot revolver. So I, I will say it's probably different strokes for different folks. But for me, I would probably prefer, you know, having more opportunities to defend myself. Yes. And the idea here is, right, you don't, you hope you don't, uh, as, as Drew said, ever use this. But the idea is if you're going to conceal carry a firearm for personal defense, that you are actually able to use it to defend yourself uh, in the event that you have to and you can't use an empty firearm. That doesn't mean you need to carry 800 rounds on you. That's just silly. What I used to write in a lot of my publications, and this might give me away because I think I was the only person who did this, is that you want at least double digit rounds on your person at all time. I say at least. You should not have triple digit rounds on your person at any time. You will sound like, you know how corduroy, uh, corduroy pants make that little shuffly sound you're going to make a little like uh dinking sound every time you pass you're just gonna unbutton your shirt and you're just gonna be having a belt kind of wrapped around your whole body or you just have them out not even in magazines do it remember when people wore chains on jeans oh make make that sound but everywhere Mm -hmm. it's not the best look for you all that to say uh, magazine capacity is important to keep in mind. And all of these, of course, are not SDI opinions. This is a me opinion. I am always of the opinion that you should have at least 10 rounds on your person if you are concealed carrying. If you are carrying a revolver, a speed loader is of the essence. But, Drew, I think that was an excellent point. And to note, worthy of noting, there are 
some amazing compact firearms these days that have managed to not sacrifice concealability and size with magazine capacity, the P365 being an excellent example of that. So there are definitely options out there for you. It's amazing to think of where we've come from, from like even 100 or 150 years ago. It's amazing how far we've come. Yeah, I got my first concealed carry at the end of 2015. And it's amazing how far we've come since 2015. That is true. Really? Yeah, that I think that's one of the coolest things about firearms technology for me is just how fast it advances. It really, it's amazing. Anyways, uh, number three that came to my mind, again, sort of along the same train of thought of you hope you never have to use this. But if you do, I think caliber would be an important consideration. I would imagine you would want something that would be able to. Um, yeah, no, it's here. I, if I can assist. Absolutely. Um, your goal in a concealed carry situation is to survive that situation. Yeah. In a, in a self-defense situation, that's why it's called self-defense um, carry a caliber appropriate to defending yourself but caliber is important in determining your concealed carry handgun. And the next one that popped to mind was um, action. Like, do you, is your firearm a single or is it a double action? Just in the heat of the moment, I suppose you don't want to have to worry about pulling back on a hammer and pulling the trigger and having more steps. You would want something where you can, if you've trained with that concealed carry enough, be able to pull it out and... And be very comfortable, sure. Yeah, and there's all sorts of options for that, right? Striker fired. If you have one in the chamber, there's nothing you need to do, uh, assuming it does not have anything other than an internal safety. If you have a thumb safety, obviously it's a little different. But single action, you may want to carry cocked and locked. I do that uh, with my Sig C3. And I carry half cocked and locked with my TriStar T100 when I use that. Yeah, TriStar T100 being a clone of the Jericho 941, or as it is more affectionately known, the Baby Eagle. You can also carry in double action, and a lot of people choose to do that. I don't know if in the heat of a very specific high-pressure moment that I would be able to... I, I don't want to add another factor, which is a longer trigger pull to that situation. I actually know that uh, the old Radom P64s, which are sometimes called Macrobs, even though they technically are not, uh, had redonkulous double action triggers, I think upwards of 30 pounds, specifically to prevent accidental discharges. And that that's silly to me. But with technology the way it is now, I think uh, cocked and locked is totally safe. But you do need to pick something that's comfortable to you too. And kind of going along the lines of comfortability, and this could be a good point for you to jump back in where you're going earlier. But for me, um, it was another element of comfortability, and that's more so ergonomics. How does the firearm itself feel 
in your hand, do you feel comfortable firing it? Yeah, 100%. And that is very valid. A lot of people I have heard of and seen uh, will practice shooting with a random firearm of choice that they enjoy. Uh, Glock 17, a Glock 19, a CZ 75B. Um, and then they'll carry uh, a Glock 43, although that's less common because a Glock 43 is pretty easy to shoot. But they'll, they'll, because you'll carry like a CZ 75 or AME, um, which is a very small handgun or a P365 or a Ruger LCR or one of those itty bitty baby revolvers that only people that really know what they're doing should probably have their hands on in a concealed carry function or even one of those micro 1911s and they practice with a full size 1911. Um, that's not the same thing. You need to have a firearm that you are comfortable practicing with. Otherwise you're wasting your time, right? Um, your concealed carry doesn't need to be the only firearm you ever shoot, but you need to be comfortable shooting it and you need to like it or you're not going to carry it. I have my C3, which I adore, and I continually repress the urge to go back to the TriStar T100 just because I like that firearm so much. It's ergonomics. It's got a fat uh, handle or a grip. I can't believe I just said handle. And uh, it just fits really, really well. And the C3 fits like a normal 1911. There's nothing wrong with that. But I found the gun that fits me perfectly. And I keep switching over to the C3 for comfortability. And uh, that's something of an existential crisis that I have personally about once every other day. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out which works better. So that's comfortability. You want to make sure that you're as comfortable as possible with a potential firearm. Uh, concealability, I'm just going to swing back to it now so we don't forget later. That's all, that's all right. Um, you need to compromise your comfortability. And this is what I was just talking about, trying to figure out what's the best way to go. The SIG C3 is a... Uh, commander length barrel with an officer, I think it's called an officer length grip, which means you're subtracting a round out of the grip in exchange for a shorter, uh, you're reducing the overall height of the handgun, uh, which prevents the, the butt of the firearm from jutting out, essentially. And that is a pretty worthy trade-off to me because it reduces a lot of the issues with concealability. Uh, one thing that people don't pay attention to a lot is the thickness of a given handgun. You want to pay attention to that because it will come bulging out of the side of your shirt or whatever. You want to try to get something as slim as you can, and you don't want the grip of the pistol to be overly long or else it's just going to be sticking out the back and you're going to look awful silly. Um, that's why I don't understand the 19... Is it the 19X, 43X, whatever the extended grip ones are, uh, just a crooked sealability, which I know some people use, does not make a load of sense to me. But if it works for you, it works for you. So you want to compromise as best as you can uh, something that makes you very comfortable with something that you're certain you can conceal in as many situations as possible that you can legally do so in. Cool. So this next one is, I'll admit is a bit of an odd one for me to have listed. Uh, so there will be a caveat, but I said holster compatibility. 
Uh, and that caveat is that you probably don't want to choose your firearm based on your holster. However, maybe the holster style is a consideration when choosing your concealed carry. So, for example, if you prefer something um, or if you prefer shoulder holsters, um, I thought that that might play a part in your decision making. Yeah, I would say that's valid. I would say if you prefer shoulder holsters, and I have two, and I love them, there's there's two things that go with that. One, you can carry a much larger handgun with ease there most of the time if you get a good holster. Uh, the problem is you need to wear over clothing over your shirt, uh, which can be pretty unpleasant to do in the warmer months. In the winter months, that's that's definitely a thing. And uh, I'm actually going to be using my, I can't wait to use my shoulder holster when it's a little cooler and makes a little more sense. Um, otherwise, I will say, uh, that I have definitely purchased a firearm based on a holster before, which is not how you're supposed to do that at all. That's how I ended up with one of the firearms I own currently, which is absolutely a sweet gun. But for those of you who are ruled by reason and common sense, choosing a high quality holster that is going to fit what you do is a big deal. Uh, fortunately for most of us that carry a lot of different guns, there are loads and loads of options. Even my Jericho 941 clone, there are plenty of places that make options for it. There's only one firearm I could think of that I would want to conceal that I would be a little nervous about, and that's the Lionheart LH1, or I think there's an LH2 as well, which is essentially a modernized version of the Daiwu uh, DB-51. Regardless, if you are set on one brand of holster, uh, make sure that they have the mold for your particular firearm. If you are not set on one type of holster, if it's something that would not be qualified as obscure i don't think you have anything to worry about but you just want to make sure that you can get something comfortable um personally i alien gear is i think there are are companies that have stuff that i like a little more but alien gear has loads of molds so that is an option uh crossbreed i know lots of people that love that this is this is not the wire or the Ben Shapiro show, but we the people holsters has a very good reputation. And the, the list goes on and on, to be entirely honest with you. Um, I've got one from Bianchi. I'm hoping I pronounced it correctly, B-I-A-N-C-H-I. Um, that I love. I might go get some more, but they're they're kind of pricey. I like a good leather holster or a leather Kydex hybrid. A lot of people go straight Kydex, and that's okay too. Yeah, that's interesting that you said it actually kind of worked out for you choosing the holster than the firearm. I sent in many hundreds of dollars after a $30 holster that I found. So basically I saved $100 on a holster and then sent in several hundred more dollars after it because I liked it. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. What I did, <laughs> would not recommend. Um but I wanted a good shoulder holster and I found one at an estate sale. And what else was I going to do? So there we go. Listen, sometimes fashion needs to dictate things. 
and sometimes but it there doesn't. There you go. Yeah, that's just science, folks. Yep. You know, I I always feel like if you look good, you play good. You play good. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's all sorts of different kinds of holsters too. There's cross draw, uh, which a holster, shoulder holster is technically a version of. Uh, there's small of back holsters, which actually we're going to be talking about before too long because I just mm-hmm. picked one up. That's kind of interesting. Inside the waistband, uh, appendix inside the waistband, outside the waistband, um, and a couple more. I am sure that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. There's lots of options is the point. So uh, figure out what makes the most sense to you. Don't skimp out. If you spent $700 on a handgun, do not spend $30 on a holster. Get a good holster. Um, So number seven on my list, and I'm surprised it took me all the way to number seven to get here. But uh, I have accuracy. Um, Is your firearm accurate? Are you accurate with that firearm? Because sometimes you can have a very well-made gun and you can't shoot it worth, you know, worth a lick. So um, number seven, I had accuracy. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's okay, I'm going to make seven and eight one thing because they go together very, very well. Sure. Um, The second thing you had out of seven and eight is reliability. So we're just going to dive into both of those. You want to make sure that your firearm is well-made. Um, you don't want, there's actually some amazing inexpensive options out there right now, uh, that are totally, uh, worth your time to experiment with and see if it works for you. The PSA dagger comes to mind pretty quickly. Some of the Canic stuff is fantastic. The TP9 family of guns, uh, especially the SFs and more, but most of these firearms the, the vast majority of these firearms are going to be accurate and they're going to be reliable because this market demands no less. We're well past the period of time where unreliable firearms have commercial success because the market is so strong. So we want to make sure that your firearm has a decent reputation and that it shoots straight, obviously, but more importantly, and Drew mentioned this, that you shoot straight with it. If you have issues with a given firearm, the issues are almost certainly you and not the firearm. What you want to do with that is get some proper training to make sure that you can shoot your firearm accurately and you have a decent idea of of where things are going when you pull the trigger. Preferably a very, very good idea of where things are going when you pull the trigger because you are responsible for what's in front of you and what is behind that thing. Never point a firearm at something you do not intend to destroy. So make sure that your firearm is of a decent quality and reputation, I think is is the good takeaway from that. Yeah, I think it made sense to kind of uh, combine those points. So thank you for uh, kind of doing that for me. Oh, yeah. Second to last one, uh, and this one's pretty short on my end, uh, internal safety mechanism, because you don't want to shoot yourself at all. Yes. Um, So we mentioned this a little bit with striker fired. Internal safety mechanisms are, are... very prevalent with them. Every firearm should have some form of safety mechanism, whether internal or external or both. Um, 
Just be sure, and I think we can even put this at more of a bird's eye view level, know what your firearm safety mechanisms are and know how to properly operate them so that you are uh, interacting with your firearm as safe as humanly possible. Yeah, how many um, how many different uh, safety mechanisms are there, actually? Oh, geez. Uh, we can come with back. With a handgun? Yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, there's a load of them. Uh, I'll just say that there are internal safeties, there are thumb safeties, and there are grip safeties, and those are the main three you're going to encounter with handguns there's all sorts of different kinds of safeties both with them and with other firearms but those are the main three you are likely to encounter in a basic handgun yeah well thank you for even diving that much into it because again once again everyone i am uh learning uh quite a lot i guess when i said internal safety mechanism i assumed that most safety mechanisms were internal because they do something if they have yeah. an internal thing so but so there is something like a uh, thumb safety that's going to be that would be more of an external a uh, thumb safety yeah okay it, it, that's just because it's you know it's on the outside and you activate it from the outside exactly because you okay. can ma- manipulate it from the outside of the firearm mm-hmm. same okay. for grip safety um Internal safeties are going to do a lot with like Glocks operate off of internal safeties, the mechanics of which I actually don't know off the top of my head. I simply know that they exist. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, Joey. And the, and the last one I had written down, which maybe is a sign of some growth for me, at least um, maybe even just on a personal level price both the price of the firearm and the ammo you intend on using. Again, you hope you never really have to use your concealed carry. However, you darn sure probably should be practicing with it, as we've already talked about. And with lots of practice time comes lots of money spent on ammo practicing. That is correct, especially in the current uh, price of ammo environment it used to be worse you used to straight up not be able to find it um, but it still costs a pretty penny relative to where things were even a couple years ago well more like three or four years ago now that's heartbreaking to think about um, but when we're talking about price uh, drew said it pretty well you want to be able to afford the firearm and ammunition and the training to make sure that it you are functional with it and a holster. You need one, two, three, four. And actually, I'll even add the fifth thing. If you don't own firearms already, you want to be able to purchase the means to clean said firearm, uh, which is not too expensive of a thing to get into. But you want to be able to do all those things that you are both purchasing a firearm and the means to be effective and competent with that firearm, generally speaking. And I used to ignore this all the time. I strongly recommend it now. If you can, the if you can make the firearm between half and two thirds of your overall budget to include a new firearm into your collection, and the last fifty percent to thirty three percent with the threes, you know, add infinitum, 
uh, is dedicated to equipping the firearm with a holster and uh, getting the training and ammunition to make yourself as effective with that firearm as possible. Well said, sir. And um, yeah, so that was my list. Uh, Joey, was there anything that you can think of that was very important that I missed? Not really, actually. I think you hit a lot of the big ones. Yes. Um, we want to make sure that you can conceal it, that it's comfortable enough for you to carry every day. Uh, comfortability includes weight, which I don't think I mentioned before, but I think you, you're putting comfortability counts. Um, a functional understanding of the firearm, including its safety mechanisms and its reputation, as well as its accuracy and reliability. The amount of money you have to purchase it and then train with it and uh, the caliber and magazine capacity for you to effectively conceal carry. I think that's that's pretty well it. And then, of course, the main factor in concealed carry is the training most places. Well, that's not true. I don't think it's most places anymore. A great many places require some sort of firearms training course before you get your concealed carry permit. If that is the case, be sure to do so and get your permit before you carry. If you live in a what is frequently called a constitutional carry state, like uh, Arizona, for example, still strongly recommend you get training just because they don't require you to specifically get uh, a permit to carry. Uh, and I believe that's still correct. If, if I am wrong about that, please send us an email and I will go out and fix this thing. Still go get training to make yourself effective. That's not some sort of waiver that says if you purchase a firearm, you are immediately and obviously effective with it. Uh, the ooh okay you want one of those stupid uh you know when you watch a youtube video and they're like top firearms to consider for concealed carry or uh top hunting rifles to consider for this season and the final thing that they say is like the most important thing to pay attention to is what works best for you which is a complete and total non-answer the the number one thing to consider in choosing a concealed carry is your plan to ensure that you are as responsible a concealed carrier as possible, including training, responsible carry, including firearm and accessories to carry said firearm, and a thorough understanding of the laws in your state revolving around concealed carry. And just because you live in a permitless state does not mean there are not laws about concealed carry. <laughs> Please be careful about that. Uh, for for all of our sakes, we do not want to see you guys getting in trouble. I don't like that used to be what I, I wrote about uh, quite a bit. And uh, it breaks my heart to see concealed carry done wrong. So please, please, please be a responsible concealed carrier. Yes, sir. And now, Joey, you, you've been working hard lately. You've, been, you've had a lot I on have. your plate. If you don't know, he just finished playing the titular character in Richard III. I did. It's true. I was Richard III, the hobblegoblin himself. <laughs> and um, I also have a bit of a tough day. I had some car trouble today, uh, which is you know, honestly one reason why we're getting this out to you a little bit later. Joey, how about you sit back? I'll read you some tales from the range. Bring us home. Let's. Let's do it. This one's a big one. I'm excited for it. 
All right. So this one is coming to us from uh, the high road once again. This is by 25C Schaefer. Um, and he says, I was going to go coyote hunting after church this morning. So I got dressed, not concerned about camo because my buddy had a set of whites for me. I loaded the car. I was going to ride with my friend up to the mountain with all my cold weather gear, ammo, and my dad's rifle, a Remington 700 250 uh, It's a fluted bull barrel, heavy stock, 14 power scope and bipods and ammo. On the way out the door, the wife wanted me to pick up a few things at the hardware store, so I figured I would stop on my way out. I wear glasses, so I usually don't wear sunglasses, but it was very bright with the snow this morning, so I put on some RX Wiley X's and forgot my regular glasses at home. My my dude is just name-dropping brand after brand. Um, um, yeah, he's got to worry about his brand, man. Yeah, I understand sponsorship. I understand that. I, we had a whole thing about soda last week. So, um, sure did. He continues. I got to Lowe's and picked up a new deadbolt, rented a carpet cleaner, bought latex gloves for for the cleaner, and one of those blue painter suits. I walked back to the car and set everything on the ground by the trunk, opened it, and realized I would have to rearrange some things, most notably the rifle that I did not have in a case. So I looked around and quickly laid it in the back seat to cover it up with a blanket later. Hmm. Now, I am always prepared, except, you know, you didn't have a case, but I am always prepared yeah. and carry a lot of stuff in the trunk, rope, boots, a tarp, and a pelican case full of survival stuff. Getting stranded in Massachusetts can be bad. I took my... I think that's Montana. Is in Massachusetts is MA, right? Yeah. All right. Getting stranded in Montana can be bad. I took, yeah. my, <laughs> I took my usual trunk pack out and set it on the ground. Next, I laid the tarp out to put the carpet cleaner in so as to not dirty my wife's car. Just as I picked up a tire iron and my neoprene face mask, I heard a gasp and a, oh my gosh. I looked up at a terrified woman there. There I was. Black 5'11 tactical pants, black turtleneck, gloves, tarp, rope, carpet cleaner, a new deadbolt, a pelican case full of who knows what, a painter suit, and some stereotypical assassin's rifle. I knew exactly what she meant. And I said the only thing I could think of. It's, it's not what it looks like. But she reached in her purse and pulled out a cell phone. No, 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 I swear, I said frantically. Just then her husband walked around the end of their truck. I was relieved he was an acquaintance. Hey, how's it going? You going to shoot some dogs? His wife shot a look at him like he was crazy. I said, yeah, but I think your wife thinks something else. Her finger was still pointed at the nine. She was confused and asked me in a shaky voice, if you're going coyote hunting, what's the pistol for? I'm getting some Dennis Reynolds energy from this guy uh, from 25C Schaefer. Uh, and I have to admit, um, I would definitely be calling the cops on this guy. Well, it's a big, uh, I don't know. You didn't do anything illegal. I don't actually, I don't know that because uh, 
rifle in the back seat covered up with a blanket. I don't know what the legality of that is. But yeah, my man could not look any sketchier while hopefully not breaking any laws. And I'm assuming the pistol is for uh, concealed carry or personal defense while out hunting. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm assuming so I, as well. Yeah, out here uh, snagging his his concealed carry on his shirt, which is one of those things we just talked about. Be very careful with that. It's a very common thing to happen. You want to be a little, a little more careful about it than this guy. Yeah. So um, I've actually done something similar to this guy, though, in terms of kind of going to uh, the store and people thinking I'm looking weird. I was um, some sort of ex murderer. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was for, Joey. Yeah. It's... Yes. Okay. Now, before we leave, we have one more thing for you guys. A quick reminder if you are interested in the world of firearms technology or uncrewed technology, the world of firearms or drones, uh, we have the place for you. It's Sonoran Desert Institute, sdi.edu. Come check us out. Uh, we would love to have you become a part of the family. We've got three programs right now, the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmithing. We have an Associates of Science in Firearms Technology, and we have a Certificate in Unmanned Technology, all of which you can check out today at sdi.edu. We have a wonderful admissions team that will be happy to give you the rundown on what we've got going on. For now, that is the gun rack. Have fun out there, and we will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.